can be found on the inside leaflet. This is the story of Jesus, excuse me, the angel Gabriel coming to Mary. Hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at this words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The word of the Lord. Before I launch on and continue in the service, let's go ahead and stand up as K-5 through is dismissed for Sunday school. Turn to someone on your right or left, particularly someone you don't know, and say hi to them. so I'll remember, okay? Okay, sorry. Okay, you may be seated. Now we've got a little more Christmas cheer flowing through the room. That's what we need. I think we're moving into a state of hibernation, perhaps, with this cold weather. Well, Christmas is in full swing. Um, I don't know about you, but let me tell you what, as soon as the turkey is finished, I get a sweet little voice in the side of my ear. Honey, how about the Christmas lights? And... I like to talk about hanging the Christmas lights as my we, a yearly brush with death. Okay? It is my yearly brush with death to hang the Christmas lights. Because we have this two-story house, and for some reason, it's got to be the icicle lights. Okay? you got to have the icicle lights, because no one else does the icicle lights. So lo and behold, i got to get these icicle lights on. Now, Leellen gave me this great kind of pole thing, supposedly, that I was supposed to be able to do it from the floor, but the thing was a piece of junk. So I can't quite get my ladder right either. So invariably what happens is I end up going up onto the roof to hang the icicle lights and sort of hang over and connect the icicle lights one by one by one. Sooner or later, you will see an advertisement, uh, excuse me, a news story in the paper Pastor falls to his death while hanging the icicle lights. It really is just a matter of time. So I don't know if you've had fun hanging your Christmas lights and putting up the tree. We do have a good time, all all joking aside, doing that. Uh, But Christmas is also a special time for our relationship, my lovely wife, Leanne, and I, because our first date, in fact, we're coming up on our 20th anniversary of our first date. My wife and I 
How about that? How about that? See, that's how in love we are. We keep track of the first date. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were, we were young uh, students at the University of Virginia, and I'd kind of noticed her, and we were on the same Young Life team. And uh, so I decided to ask her out on a date. And in Christmas, there's only one thing you can do. If you want the perfect date, you've got to go see the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Right? Donna Reed, you know, the whole deal. So we went out on this date. Who was the other guy? Uh, James, uh, Jimmy Stewart. So uh, we went out on this date, and, it, and we just had a magical time. I mean, it really was, we sort of, when we went into the movie theater, we were friends. When we left the movie theater, it was, it was all over but the shouting. And uh, we started this courtship for the next several years. And sooner or later, it, it took its time. It had its ups and downs. But we realized, you know, this, this was it. This was the one. And, uh, you know, it's neat when you, you get to that point. Some of us who've been married before remember that uh, experience of falling in love and, and, and thinking this is the one and starting to think about the life that's in front of you, you know, what, what life you're going to live together, what, where are you going to live, what experiences are you going to have, what are, what are our kids going to be like, and you have this whole experience in front of you about life. And the reason I bring that up is because I want us to try to get into the world of Mary, you know, we tend to think of Mary as, you know, she wears this beautiful, you know, blessed Virgin Mary, and she's the statue and everything, and we forget the fact that she was just a girl who was in love, we so hope, uh, you know, betrothed to Joseph. You could be betrothed to a husband that you didn't even know, but it was a little different conception of love back then than us, uh, than, than we experience now, but the hopes of Mary were the same as for us. What sort of life would I live with Joseph? What would our house be like? What would we do together? What would our kids be like? All of these experiences flowing through Mary's heart. And then she received this visit. And her life turned upside down. The angel Gabriel coming into her life and saying, Mary, I know you thought your life was going to be like this, but your life is actually going to be like this. You are going to bear a son and he will be called Jesus, and he will be son of the Most High. His government will have no end. Can you imagine as a young woman getting excited about your wedding and marriage and hearing that? How would you respond? And what was so amazing was how Mary did respond to this. Mary's legendary response, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. Mary responded in that she gave all that she had to all that God had for her. And as a result of that, Mary is the most famous woman who have lived of all times. <clears throat> Think of all of them, whether it's Cleopatra or Mother Teresa or Joan of Arc or uh, Margaret Thatcher. You name a name, who stands all above them? Mary, the blessed mother of God who gave all that she had to all that God had for, uh, for her. See, Mary not only witnessed the salvation of God, she participated in it. And the astounding fact is that God calls us to do the same. Not only to witness the salvation of God, but to participate in it. How do we do that? How does Christmas move from being out there to moving in here? We must follow the path of Mary. As I read this story, I think of three things that I see Mary doing. The first is that she entrusted her hopes to the favor of God. Trusted her hopes to the favor of God. Second, she entrusted her life to the plan of God. And then thirdly, she entrusted her reputation to the provision of God. 
And my hope is by the end of this sermon that we too will give all that we have to all that God has for us. Well, let's look at this passage uh, entrusting our hopes to the favor of God. We see at the beginning of this passage, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, let's unpack this a little bit. We see that this angel came to Nazareth in the region of Galilee. Little perspective here. Judea and Jerusalem was down here, and the great Mediterranean Sea was here, and then there was Samaria, and then above that was Galilee. See, and Galilee was kind of a buffer zone with the rest of the world, the Gentile world. And because of that, it was kind of looked down on by the Jews. They, they saw the people of Galilee, and they said, these aren't kosher people because they intermingle with the Gentiles. In fact, if you read the Bible, it's called Galilee of the Gentiles. So it was sort of a mixed breed in there. But this angel came to Galilee, not Jerusalem, and he came to Nazareth in Galilee. And of all the towns in Galilee, one that was particularly despised was Nazareth. In fact, if you remember Nathaniel, when, uh, when this guy Nathaniel was told that Jesus came from Nazareth, his, his involuntary response was, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, sure enough, that is where the angel Gabriel went, to this podunk little town, to a virgin called Mary. Now, Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and I need to explain that a little bit. Mary, legally speaking, was married. She had been kind of like our engagement period is a married period. She legally belonged to Joseph, but they could not consecrate their marriage. They could not consummate their marriage until about a year later. And so she belonged to Joseph, but, but they hadn't consummated that marriage. Now, a, a, a young woman could be consummated, uh, excuse me, could be betrothed to, uh, to a man by as early as age 12 and a half. So we don't exactly know how old Mary was, but she was probably somewhere between 12 and a half and 15 years old, maybe 16 on the late side. Just a young girl, just this virgin named Mary. The angel Gabriel didn't come to a queen, didn't come to a princess, didn't come to an important person, just Mary from Nazareth in Galilee. And this angel came to Mary and gave this very, very strange greeting. Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I want to unpack that a little bit because Greek doesn't translate exactly right into English. A better translation, this first word, greetings, actually, Kyrie means rejoice. So it wasn't even a greeting, and it was in the imperative tense. So the angel came to Mary and said, rejoice, as in rejoice. This is a command. Rejoice. The Lord, excuse me, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And then this passage, so it would, have, it would have been, rejoice you, O favored one. And again, this word, the favored one, is what is in the Greek called the perfect tense. It doesn't exist in English, but it essentially means something that has happened beforehand that will occur forever. Rejoice you who have gotten favor from God and will have favor with God forever. Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. Well, what does this mean, the Lord is with you? Because there's only two people in this room. There's the angel Gabriel and there's Mary. Now, Gabriel was standing in the place of God, but God wasn't there. What, she, what the angel Gabriel was really saying was, Rejoice, O favored one, the Lord is for you. Imagine how Mary would have responded to such a comment. 
God is for me, Mary, the teenager from Nazareth? Mary's reaction was that of fear we see in the Greek here. It's an intense fear. She was gripped with fear. And the Lord reassured her once again, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God and explains what is going to happen. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. See, Mary had been grown up uh, had been uh, grown up learning these scriptures and as she heard these words, she, she would have understand, understood what the angel Gabriel was saying. See, God had come to David and made a covenant with him over a thousand years before saying that the, a descendant of yours, a descendant of yours would occupy your throne and would inhabit a kingdom that would never end. He would be the great king, the king of all kings. But that was a thousand years ago. It had faded into obscurity. And here was the angel coming and saying, you, Mary, the teenager from Nazareth, are going to bear a son. And he is the one that this Bible has been talking about, the great king, the descendant of David. But what's even as amazing as the promise that the angel Gabriel gave, gave was the response that Mary had because she believed. She believed what the angel said. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now some of us may say, well, wait a second. It's clear that she's doubting. She's asking a question. No, that's not true. She's actually exercising her faith. Mary didn't say, how can this be? She said, how will this be? See, unbelief says, how can it be? Like Zechariah last week. Faith says, how will this be? She believed the promise. She didn't understand the performance. She believed what would occur. She just didn't understand how. And so the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now Mary, as a good Jewish girl, would have understood what these words were about. She would have hearkened all the way back to the beginning of the Bible when the earth was formless and void and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and overshadowed them and brought life out of the chaos. She would have heard that what was going on was when the Holy Spirit came and overshadowed her, she would bring life from that which wasn't there. But even more than that, she would think of Exodus 40, 35, from which in the Greek, which many of these people read, the Greek Old Testament, the words are almost exact. They're almost identical. And in Exodus 40, 35, Moses completes the uh, temple, the tabernacle, the movable temple. And we see at the end of the completion that the Spirit of God came over the temple and overshadowed it and came upon it. And it says that the glory of the Lord came down and filled the tabernacle so much that Moses could not enter the tabernacle because the glory of the Lord had come down. And so as Moses heard this story and translated into what Gabriel was saying to her, she would have understood that what God was saying was there was going to be a new temple. But the temple wasn't going to be a building. The temple was going to be a person. And there, the Holy of Holies, that place where God was supposed to dwell, guess what, Mary? That Holy of Holies is going to be your womb. 
because the glory of the Lord is going to bring the presence of God into your life. Mary was to be the new temple of God. God again was coming to dwell with his people. Mary, the teenager from Nazareth. And how did Mary respond? How can this be? No. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. Where was the? You can't be right. This can't be right. No, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. I want to give an illustration about trying to put this in context. And so I've asked uh, 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 Gabby to come on up. Gabby, if you could come up here, I would appreciate it. Uh, many of you know uh, Gabby, who is the daughter of Spencer and uh, Tara Johansson. And she is a sweetheart, and uh, she's agreed to come up here, and I'm going to interview her a little bit and ask her some questions. So she's sort of the stand-in for Mary today, okay? Well, I'll hold on to this. First of all, how old are you? Thirteen. She's 13 years old. She would have been probably about Mary's age. Now, what grade are you in? Eighth grade. Okay, you're in eighth grade. Where do you go to school? Glen Haven Middle. Okay. Now, what did you, what did you do this weekend, uh, Gabby? Um, nothing, really. I was sick. <laughs> she was sick. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I'll try to get as close to you as possible then, <laughs> or uh, far away. Now, do you play sports, Gabby? Yep. Cool, you're a soccer player, aren't you? Yes. I hear you're a good one, too, so that's great. Now, do you ever, when you get older, do you ever want to get married? Yeah. How, how old, like, what's your perfect age for when you want to get married? Um, I think, like, after college, after I go to college. Okay, so, like, 22, 23, somewhere in there. That's cool. Now, this is a very challenging question. Have you ever done any theological training, Gabby? Tell the truth. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Can you read Hebrew or Greek for chance? No. So if I was to ask you to talk about the vicissitudes of inaugurated eschatology, probably that would be difficult. Just, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask you one more. Now, she didn't know I was going to do this, but this is kind of exciting because I'm going to do a little quiz show here with Gabby, okay? Gabby, I have in my pocket a check, okay? It's a check for $1 million from my wife and I. Okay, I talked with her. She's okay with this, okay? And this check can be yours for a million dollars if you can answer this question, okay? Are you ready? All right, here we go. What is the square root of 2,365,126? <laughs> it's a loaded question. No one could answer that within this congregation. She unfortunately has not gotten the million dollars, but wait, there's more. I'm going to go ahead and give you this check of a million dollars, even though you didn't answer the right question, because, heck, Leellen and I like you so much. Here you go, million bucks. Don't cash that until Tuesday, okay, because it won't pass until Tuesday. Let's give Gabby a hand. Thank you very much. All right. Now, the important thing I want to touch on is Gabby had far more opportunities than Mary ever had. No opportunity for any formal education. No opportunity to advance the things that Gabby has been able to see in her life exponentially more than Mary. And yet God came to Mary, this young woman in Nazareth, and see uh, right there in Galilee. What does that mean? What it means is that there's no way that Mary could have earned this favor from God. 
The angel didn't come and say, greetings, you who have earned favor with God. He said, greetings, you have found favor with God. The blessing of God came to Mary, not because Mary earned it, but because God desired it. The scandal of Christmas and the gospel is that God chooses to find favor with people not because they deserve it, but because he desires it. And for most of us, we can't handle that in this world. We can't handle that thought. So you know what we've done? We've created a parallel gospel story. You ready what it is? Santa Claus. Okay? Where did this guy come from anyways? Red guy, legend, you know, big hat, the whole deal. Where did he come from? Think about it. Here's the best way to think about Santa Claus. Have you ever heard the, the song? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. I mean, he sounds kind of like Clint Eastwood, doesn't he? Santa Claus is coming to town. He, you, what, what's the next line? He sees you when you're sleeping. Now, frankly, that's just creepy, okay? That's just flat-out creepy. I don't want Santa watching me while I'm sleeping in June. He knows. No, 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 wait a second. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. (laughs) He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows. So you better be good for goodness sake. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Because Santa Claus is coming to town. See, that's a God that we can handle. If you do good, you get favor with him. But if you don't, you get the curse from him, right? The blessing or the lump of coal. It's all about what you're doing. So you better watch how you live. That, my friends, is the exact antithesis of the gospel story. The scandal of the gospel is that God chooses to find favor with people not because they deserve it, but because he desires it. Where do you derive your standing from God? Where's the place in which you can stand before him and say, God, bless me, find favor with me? Is it because of something you've done, something that you are? Maybe you're a religious person, you know, you you come to church all your life and you memorize the scripture and you write your check when the plate comes around and, you know, if I was to ask you what question 43 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism was, you could give it to me verbatim. And yet, we see that the favor of the Lord came to Mary, a teenage girl, in the middle of Nazareth. Why? Because God wanted to do so. And Mary gave all that she had to all that God had for her. See, the words of the angel in Jesus Christ are for you and for me. Rejoice, Mary, you who are highly favored. The Lord is for you. Rejoice, Ken, you who are highly favored. The Lord is for you. That is what the gospel is all about. This brings me to my second point, that Mary entrusted her life to the plan of God. See, in this one little section here where she met with the angel, she realized that there was a bigger plan that blew her mind. She had her plans. Now, everybody knew that the Messiah was going to come. She'd read her Bible. She'd read the stories. But the problem was nobody knew when he would come or how he would come, or who exactly this Messiah was going to be. They'd known the stories, though. If she had played the tape, she would have gone all the way back to Genesis 12, when God appeared to Abraham and said that out of you, 
even though you don't have a child yet, the seed, the descendants of who will come from you, there'll be this person who will bless the world through you, Abraham. And she would have known 2 Samuel 7 when God appeared to David and made this covenant with David that one who would come from you, the seed of David, would sit on the throne and that your kingdom would endure forever. She would have known those stories. But for the last 400 years, Israel had been under subjugation from the Babylonians and the Persians and now the Romans under the thumb of a foreign power. And this concept of a Messiah had become more and more this great human military leader who would come and liberate them, like Samson or Joseph or David. And so for her to hear this announcement that this Messiah would come, but who he was like must have stunned her. This Messiah would be born of a virgin, born of the Holy Spirit, and thus would be the Son of God. Well, that... That doesn't make any sense. The Messiah is supposed to be a man. No, no man is born of a virgin. But then she heard the rest of this, that she would be bo- the, the baby would be born in her, in a human womb, and he would receive the throne of his father, David. He would be a descendant of man. So he would be God, and he would be a man? Which, which one? The answer is yes. He would be the God-man. As Athanasius said, he became what he was not without giving up what he was. He realized the term then. She realized the term. You are to call his name Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. And she would realize that the mission of her son, the mission of the Messiah, was greater than anyone had ever realized. Matthew 1-2 says that he will call his name Yeshua because he will save people from their sins. She must have realized that this is greater than some sort of political freedom. This is, this is life. And her mind would have gone back to Genesis 3-15 when Satan had convinced man and woman to eat the apple and God had appeared before Satan and man and the woman and would have said the first prophecy in the Bible, the third chapter of this book, that one day I will put hostility between you, Satan, and you people. And Satan, your offspring, and you will will bruise his heel and one day the seed of the woman will crush your head she would have understood that the mission of her son Jesus was to destroy Satan and to conquer death itself. God was not going to raise up a person to work salvation for his people. God was going to become a person to work salvation for his people. But to do this, the Son of God was going to need to become a man. And he needed a woman to give birth to him and be his mother. Who would that be? Her name was Mary. In an instant, Mary grasped the plan of God. And I wonder if just for a second in Mary's mind, she thought, but what about my plans, God? I'm busy picking out china patterns. I'm busy thinking about my house with the picket fence and, you know, the Jerusalem PTA and all the things that I had planned in front of me. I don't think so. I think in that instant, as she heard, her mind was open to the bigger plan of God. She said, you know what? I'm willing to put down my plans for this plan of God who will save me and save the whole world itself. Mary's answered yes to God before she even knew the question. 
And I think that's why God came to her that one time. Salvation came through Mary, but salvation came to us. One final thought, and I'll close with, uh, with comments for us. The final thing was Mary entrusted her reputation to the provision of God. See, if we're in the room right now and we're hearing this fantastic thing that's going on, it's beautiful, but there's only one problem. She's got to walk out the door. And guess what? Nobody is going to believe her. Would you believe her? Absolutely not. She was betrothed to Joseph. She was not supposed to have relations with anyone until that time. To come and to say that I'm pregnant, that was a stoning offense. She quite possibly could be killed just for that right there. Think about a relationship with Joseph and what a bind that would put him in. You know, you know in terms of with your, with your spouse, if, if Joseph, Joseph would know that the child wasn't his and if he accused her, she would be stoned and died. If she, if he was a, decided not to accuse her but to divorce her quietly, she would still have the child. She would live with this shame for the rest of her life. And if Joseph went ahead and married her anyways, everyone would think this was Joseph's baby. And for the rest of their life, they would endure that shame, that snicker, that sideways glance. We think of things now, we can't even compare now to, uh, you know, this period of time 2,000 years ago. But what did Mary do? We know the rest of her life living under a cloud of suspicion and as a mother watching the things that happened to her child, watching him hung up on a cross, watching them flee for their lives with their little baby so he wouldn't be killed. But Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant, let it be to me as you have said. Mary gave all that she had to all that God had for her. How did she do that? I think here's the answer. How do we do that? The answer is she did that because one did that before she ever thought of doing so. Because the Son of God himself, Jesus the Christ, made a decision to give up his plans for the plans of his Father. To give up his reputation for the reputation of his Father. To give up his life to be born in the womb of, a Mary, uh, of Mary, to become a man, to live a life where he would be misunderstood, mis disrespected, and ultimately die on a cross. See, Jesus gave all that he had to all that God had his Father for him. And that's exactly why he was the Messiah. He was the Christ. Well, I finish with this thought, so what? What about you? What about me? The truth of the matter is salvation came through Mary, but salvation comes to us. And we have our plans, and we have our lives, and we come to church, and we hear the story, and it's so easy to sort of put it in a box and walk away. But Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the one who has come, the one, the only one, who has conquered sin and death and brings the favor of God to us. And so I'm challenging you to give all that you have to all that God has for you because you too are called to be a bearer of God. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in to him and be with him 
and he, he with me. Because whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ becomes in themselves the temple of God and a holy of holies where Jesus Christ himself will dwell. Mary gave all that she had to all that God had for her. Let us this Christmas do the same. Let's pray. Lord, who could make up a story like this? So powerful. So much love. Lord, we're challenged by the life of Mary, who gave all that she had, so much promise in her life, but when she heard the favor of God and the plan of God, she said, I want this for my life. And because of that, we all are blessed. Lord, I pray that we too would put our yes on the table, even before we know the question, we would answer, yes, God, I want what you have for me. You've told me that you love me and that you give me your favor and you'll never leave me or forsake me. And so, Lord, as best as we know how, with the faith that you give us, we do lay down our lives for you. All of this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.